All right, here we go. Jimmy Palumbo Show, number six. Getting involved here from the Omni in Atlanta. No, we're not at the Omni in Atlanta, which is no longer in existence. This is the Jimmy Palumbo Show, show number six. That's right, live here, not live, but live in downtown Matawan at the Chop Sports Network Studios. I actually had lunch today in the downtown Matawan area at the Maloney's Pub. Had a very nice hamburger with a friend of mine discussing show business. <laughs> I, I make people come to Matawan now, but I'm going to end up living in Matawan. You know that. I'll be the mayor of Matawan. But I was talking to Dave here before the telecast, um, and I, he was giggling. I saw a lot of like Jaws things on, on walls and murals and stuff in town, and I realized that the that was uh, all the Jaws stuff really was inspired by the big shark attack in 1916 was in Matawan, New Jersey, which supposedly was the inspiration for Jaws because this big shark actually came into the inlet right where the uh, salt water and the fresh water mix and like was literally like eating kids, you know, ate like four or five kids and people um, right off the side while they're doing like laundry. I'm pretty sure it was one kid. <laughs> no, no, I think a bunch of people. Got <laughs> five, four or five I, kids, a dog now. Okay, it's listen. Funny. You know, you know, Chris, I don't need your aggravation there. The bottom line is the reason why in Matawan they have a lot of Jaws things is because that was the original inspiration. But listen, we can talk all we want about Matawan, New Jersey, live from Matawan. Here we go. If there was a big theater in Matawan, I would do a show in Matawan just to blow everybody. It'll be my new Rawway, but I'm a Rawway guy. That's where my heart my heart will always end up in Rawway, New Jersey, live at the Rawway Theater. Good evening, everybody. It's a good one here. All fans 18 and over, get your Chop Sports Network t-shirt. I can't wait for the full Chop Sports Network um, uh, t-shirt things when they have, like, Jimmy Palumbo show, and I'm going to put, like, 706 on a jersey just to see how many people are going to buy a shirt that just says 706. I think at least eight people in my family will buy that. And people will think it's a religious thing, but it'll just be my T-shirt. I also have a, a couple of T-shirt ideas, and um, they'll be inexpensive. I'll probably get my buddy Rick Chesky to make them, maybe, and he'll make them. Th they won't fit right. They'll be lousy. Rick's going to hate me for that, but no, <laughs> Rick will take care of us. I don't even know if Rick's doing it. Maybe he is. I don't know. But uh, we're going to have, like, uh, clothes and hats and apparel and koozies. You imagine that? Get a Chop Sports Network with my face on it down at the Jersey Shore where, with a koozie with your Bud Light. You know, kids, when I was young, back in the day, down in Manasquan going to Leggett's. I just found out the owner of Leggett's passed away um, the other day, which is uh, I spent a great – it was a 10-year period of my life where I was um, – I spent a great deal of time in Leggett's, so much so that there's a I wore a Leggett's hat in Beer League, which is cool, and they have a photograph, team photo of the Beer League guys hanging on the wall, signed by me, and it survived the hurricane, too. They actually put it, they saved it, the water line. One of the bartenders said, dude, the water came real close to ruining. I was like, you know, listen, I can always get you another one that I want you to go nuts over. I was like, well, wasn't there other artifacts more important than the Beer League photo? Maybe not to some people, but the uh, I can't think of his name, to be honest with you. I, I met him once or twice. He let us use the, uh, I wore a Leggett's hat in Beer League, and he passed away uh, this week. So RIP to the owner of Leggett's in Manasquan, New Jersey. I think his name was John, not 100% sure. 
But uh, I know, I think they're closed this Sunday, uh, today, yesterday and today. They're closed, probably the wake of services. But a shout out to a legendary bar owner on the Jersey Shore, Leggett's in Manasquan, New Jersey. Um, thoughts and prayers with his family um, and all that stuff. But that is a great bar. If you're ever in Manasquan, you got to go to Leggett's. And tell them that Jimmy Palumbo sent you, or Bingo, which was my nickname back then. I'm going to do a whole show someday on the fact that my nickname was Bingo, which is classic. Everybody, everybody references that. You know, you know, of course. Well, what, your old nickname? No, I just, I, I, every time I see you post something, I hear Bingo, Bingo. Yeah, that's like, right, the, bing, the Bam Bing. And then it was the Bam Bing. I, I had a nickname, Bingo. It came from back in college. I used to imitate that um, Bob Uecker commercial. One thing about being an ex-big leaguer, you call the front office, bingo, front row. And I used to say that, do that, imitate Bob Uecker. God, Bob Uecker, Bob Shepard, I do a lot of Bobs. Um, But uh, I used to do that, and this uh, Mark Lynch, the pledge pledge master, whatever you call that stuff, he he mocked me out one time, like, who's this guy, bingo, you know, do more push-ups or something like that. And then after that, everybody started calling me bingo to mock me out. And now, next thing you know, I had a jacket made up, bingo and stuff. And then it died because when you go to college, I'm going to give you some advice, kids. When you go to college and you have like your frat letters, it's awesome. I'm into that. Into that. The problem is what they don't tell you is at your graduation ceremony, there's usually a big, big bin somewhere. And what you have to do is you have to throw out your college letters right then and there. Because if you get caught wearing your goofy Kappa Sig letters after you graduated, unless it's maybe on a golf shirt, very small, even then, you're a creep. Anybody who wears frat letters after the age of 22 is a creep. As a matter of fact, when all my nephews, you'll love this, my nephews all went to Penn State, Rutgers, they all turned dif- different frats. I don't know, Omega, Phi, Cry, who, I don't even know, it doesn't matter. And I, they all had letters on. And I'm like, dude, you know, you can't wear that when you graduate. They're like, no, what do you mean? I, I like my letters. I'm like, no, dude, when you graduate, you throw the letters out. So much so that when my nephew graduated Penn State, I went online to bust his chops. And I ordered a Kappa Sig sweatshirt. Paid like $45 for it. Big red and green letters, Kappa Sigma. And at his graduation, we went out to dinner the night before. I had the big letters on. He was like, what are you doing? I'm like, see, I'm trying to let you know how creepy it is. But so... But here's the best part. I spent 40 no, When you get older, this is what's even worse. It's a beautiful, it's a cool, I'm gonna, you know what? I got to wear it next week on the show. There's no doubt about it. Um, plus, I have like friends, that, you know, my Kappa Sig boys will be tuning in. The worst part, it's a gorgeous, it's the nicest sweatshirt I own. So I was going to like just throw it and, you know, get rid of it. I'm like, I can't get rid of this. So I forget. Sometimes I put it on and I'm running errands in town, you know in beautiful Ramsey, New Jersey. And I realized I'll, like, I'll be talking to somebody and I'll have like Kappa Sig letters on. I'm thinking, oh my God, they don't know this was part of a bigger joke. They think I'm a creep. Uh, nobody cares about you. Again, anybody who cares, brotherhood for life, no. We had like 200 guys in the frat. I'm close with about 10 of them. Everybody else I love. But, you know, it's like you can't wear letters. It's so creepy. It's great. But I think I'm going to do the Capacit golf outing this year. I'm going to wear the letters. You got to do it. It's so awful. Anyway, and think about a frat is you only care about the people in the four years you're there. 
They're your boys. I don't want to. I, I got invited to an alumni thing, and I'm I'm talking to an alumni from Kappa Sig from like 1964. <laughs> like, I don't know who this guy is. I could care less. Or even worse, I don't mind talking to the old guys because those like real men when they did real drinking and had real fun. Where the kids like the 90s, some like 30 year old Kappa Sig at Rutgers. He doesn't know a thing. They didn't. Please, they didn't know. Did they have 17 I was, kegs? I was never in a frat or anything like that. But you're fucking up my generation now. What do we? I know plenty. You don't know anything stop did you ever go to a party when and you went through 17 kegs i don't think so i might have had some in, no yeah, in yeah. My house. you had like no, two cups know, of beer man. i don't want to hear legendary parties I yeah well we had about 800 people in a house that fits comfortably eight Fuck. so and one day i went my spring break trip which we got in, a, in one of those rv winnebago's that literally slept comfortably four we had 17 people. We left New Brunswick. It was it was $50 a head. There was and in the very beginning we left we left from Capasig. Everybody was like, "Yeah, we're going down to Fort Lauderdale." The first 2 hours couldn't have been more fun. Drinking, somebody was a sober driver. It was great. But about three and a half hours in, like right after we got into Delaware, you know, it started to be like there was no room. Like in other words, it was like like, I, I, got, I got a shit. I got a piss. Who are these people? Like, it was like, and I realized some of the girls weren't really even talking to us. It was like, they just found out about it and just gave $50. And a guy driving took all the money. And it was a hor horrific experience. Um, we had nowhere to sleep. I slept like standing up. It was horrific. And then um, we broke down on the way home. And the guy came out with a dirty rag and said, yeah, you got a bad flywheel. It could take two weeks to fix. I'm like, two weeks? I got to get back home. I got classes and everything. Then the guy charged us like $500, and we got out of there in 20 minutes. But anyway, Capasig, uh, God bless. Love Capasig. And uh, I will be wearing my letters next week in honor. But um, we're going to do, uh, obviously, every week I do my booking of the week. And um, when I do the booking of the week, it's always... Uh, sponsored by a sponsor. And this week, the sponsor is, of course, the one and only Absolute Eyewear. That's right. Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, getting involved here. 732-326-3937. It's owned by Craig and Jolene Mashaud, getting involved. Family-owned, brother and sister, both licensed opticians. Craig, of course, is my right center fielder for my softball team, but we all know that. Um, they're full-service optical, prescription eyewear, sunglasses, uh, uh, non-prescription, prescription safety glasses, sports glasses, motorcycle glasses for the kids. The kids are getting involved, all fans 18 and under. Get a pair of glasses at Absolute Eyewear here from the Omni. They do contacts and eye exams and all that stuff. They got glasses for all kinds of budgets. They got the expensive stuff. They got the not expensive stuff. They got discounts for the old people, the, the Blue Cross, Blue Shield, all that different stuff. Of course, I got to do Ray-Ban, Coach, Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim Sunglasses, and Costa Del Mar Sunglasses. Absolute eyewear. <laughs> so Bob Shepard gets to every week. You could tune in just for Bob Shepard doing absolute eyewear. But the coolest thing is they got a, a deal. You get $100 off a complete pair of prescription eyeglasses, a pair of prescription eyeglasses. When you mention this podcast, 
The key phrase, of course, is complete pair. The frame, the lenses, the whole bit. But I decided to add something to it just to bust their chops there because um, we're the CHOP network, so we'll bust chops. Uh, you have to bring in a little picture of me from the internet. I just want them all over the wall. It'd be so funny to do that. Um, they're open five days a week. Uh, they're closed Wednesday and Sunday. Um, of course, they're closed on Wednesday because Craig Plitt was my right center fielder, and we played on Wednesdays. But... Um, I don't know, maybe I should do Marv Albert, $100 off here. Complete pair of prescription glasses when you mention this podcast. We'll be right back. That's it. Absolute eyewear. 732-326-3937. Again, 732-326-3937. Absolute eyewear. Go talk to Craig and Janine with your glasses. They'll ship them to you. You come in, they'll, they'll fit you, and you tell them I sent you, and that's how it goes. So they sponsoring this segment of, it's called uh, Jimmy's Booking. And um, my booking is going to be the Desperate Housewives booking. Now, I probably don't have that much time to do this, but I'll try to squeeze it. But how much time do I have? Uh, ten minutes. Oh, ten minutes. That's plenty of time. <laughs> For me, it's never enough time, right? No. I'm just checking. My producers are always concerned about time with me. Um, anyway, Desperate Housewives, okay? It was uh, season one, episode 22. Let me give you a little background on this. I'm living in North Hollywood, and I played tennis at this tennis center. And I know that sounds creepy in itself, but that's what I used to do. And there was these three guys playing tennis. And uh, they needed a fourth, and I just got done. So I started hitting with them. And uh, one guy was kind of a chubbier guy, and he wasn't that good. And the other two guys looked like they had a golden tan. They were like your classic, you know, Hollywood. looked like they were Hollywood stars. And there's you know, Johnny Trino, <laughs> fat bastard me, you know, hitting tennis balls. And uh, I was a pretty good player, though, back in the day. So we start talking, and afterwards, during a break there, one of the guys was saying, I'm a writer, I've worked on this show. And he mentioned he, he wrote for the Golden Girls. And my roommate at the time, Henry Pollock, had been on Golden Girls and was friends with Betty White. And he goes, I know Henry Pollock. You're his roommate? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, wow, blah, blah, blah. So we started talking, and he said, oh, I got screwed by my agent and manager, stole my money. You know, I'm going through courts. It's a nightmare. But he's like, I'm working on this new show right now. I'm really excited about it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I'm thinking, who's this guy? He's got nothing going on. He's playing tennis during the day with me, so he must suck. And I'm like, you know, anyway, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'm going to bring it to you. I'll bring it to you next week. You can read it. I'm like, all right. So I show up the next week. I see him in the parking lot. And he hands me it over, and I still got it. It's like it's probably worth money on eBay, but I'll never sell it. He hands it to me, and the title just says Desperate Housewives. And I was like, dude, love that title, Desperate Housewives. So It's a great one. He said, oh, thanks. So I read it, and I'm like, I usually don't, you read scripts, like, eh, that's okay. The first two pages, I was like, you find out, the, and the girl doing all the talking, she's dead. In the beginning of the show, the narrator is dead. I was like, whoa, this is awesome, blah, blah, blah. So I tell him it's great, you know, and I meant it. He goes, yeah, if it gets picked up, I'll bring you in for, to audition for it. I was like, absolutely. Cut to, I don't see him for six months. I open up the Hollywood Reporter at my agent's office, which was William Morris at the time. I thought I had it going on. I was a big shot. That's like saying I was hanging out at Yankee Stadium or Fenway. Um, and uh, so not Fenway. No, no. Can't say Shea either. Dodger Stadium, maybe. All right. Wrigley, we'll say Wrigley, <clears throat> or Cub Stadium to Mark DeCarlo, how funny that is. Anyway, so I, I read the headlines of the, the Hollywood Reporter. It says, Mark Cherry signs huge deal with ABC for Desperate Housewives. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I know the script. So I sent him an email 
I'm like, Mark, congratulations, bro. That's so awesome. We got it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he sent me an email back saying, Jimmy, thank you so much. Don't worry, I'll bring you in for the pilot. Now, in the pilot, the role of the plumber, okay, was like a schlubby plumber that all the girls, the ladies on the block thought was kind of really nice and sweet. They all kind of wanted to, like, fool around with him. He was, so I, so I got, I, uh, I went in, I, I got an audition, I read for him. And I thought I did a great job, you know, thought I did. So I get a message from him um, that uh, they're bringing me in for another role. And I'm like, oh, that's, but it's not a series regular. So in the note, he writes, don't worry. When you see the show, you'll know we went in a different direction with the plumber. I was like, okay. So I read for this guy. And the role is, uh, of course, the, the plumber in the, in the opening pilot has like no shirt on. He's got like ripped. He's cut. He's hot. You know, I'm like, okay, nobody needs Johnny Trino being their plumber, you know, to hit a chopper to second. Feels it cleanly fires across the diamond. Just like that. We got one away. So anyway, I auditioned for this part and I ended up booking it. And um, the role was that you think I'm in the car with the plumber's new girlfriend. And we go to like Passion Point where... It looks like we're hook, hooking up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Terry Hatcher with her daughters following me in the truck. Now, the woman playing the girl who was with me, she had on, she she was like covered up with this like shawl she had over her. And she she was like, oh, I don't know how like half naked they want me to be. And I was like, I, I don't know. You know, her name was Patrice Walters. Uh, God rest her soul. She passed away about five years ago. And I'm like, I don't really know. You know, I, that's I'm just worried about my role. I had a, I had a guinea tee on, looked like a boob. So I didn't realize, though, that she was like, oh, this is a real, like, woman show and women empowerment kind of thing. And I think they're, they're not going to really have me. Like, I'm like, I don't really know. And I didn't really see her body. And then so the director comes over, and she kind of was covering everything up with this shawl. Kind of kind of had like this. He looks into the truck and just goes, oh, no, 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 sweetie. Uh, that's, you know, you know, take the shawl off, blah, blah, blah. And she was up on, like, the mint, the center console of the truck. Well, she takes her kind of, like, shawl off okay <laughs> she has like a i guess a bikini top it's kind of a half bra thing i don't know what it was but let me tell you something her boobs were huge to the point where like i was like oh like i like i didn't know they were in the way like i was like oh i was like oh okay like i had to deal with this like mammoth sized breasts that were like and she was like okay and they kept on telling her to hunch over more i guess it looked like we were doing you know what but i was like so with that I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, like this woman's breasts are in my space. <laughs> there, And I know it, you might think it's, when you're on a set, there's nothing sexy. There's nothing. I was like, you know, I felt like you're bringing in groceries and you have too many. There was too much. It was like, I would have, I wanted, I, ah, Jimmy Palumbo wants to talk it over here. Too much boobs in the scene. We'll be right back. I mean, it was like, I was like, this girl's, it was crazy. So she's leaning over, right? Now, Terry Hatcher has to open the door, and when you watch the show, her reaction, she goes, oh, oh, my God. I know what she was reacting to because they moved her up straight up to the door. So when that door opens up, all she saw was, like, boobs. <laughs> it was like, wham. And um, so we did the scene. It ended up being a funny line because um, the girl asked me, was that your wife? And I say, if that was my wife, you'd think I'd be in this truck with you? You know what I mean? Because Terry Hatcher was... Uh, 
Terry Atcher was not scoring 35 points a game back then, but she was down to like 19 points. You know what I mean? She was still, you know, she wasn't like Mays in 73, but she was still, she was still contributing very much so. You know what I mean? Kind of like Robert Parrish three years before he retired. She was still bringing it about 92 miles an hour on her fastball, if you know what I mean. Of course, I was throwing junk. I looked like a young Terry Mulholland. <laughs> but... <laughs> I can't believe it. It was, a, it was a great scene. It was short, but I had to thank the guy for bringing me in. So Desperate Housewives, that's the story of my booking there. But uh, it was a big deal at the time. I mean, Mark Cherry's gone on to, I mean, he made probably a billion dollars. I lost touch with him. I got to get into it. I'm sure he's listening to the podcast. Although, wait, he doesn't live in central New Jersey, so I guess he doesn't get it. But he's, uh, uh, if you're not from central Jersey or live in Colonia, or you didn't know my dad, you know what I mean? Uh, if, if my dad didn't build a deck for you, you're not a fan of the show. <laughs> it's like, if you take away Jimmy Palumbo's family and friends, there's 11 people listening to the podcast. No, that's not true at all. I have a huge audience, especially in Los Angeles. But, uh, yeah, so Mark Cherry, what is he? He's producing a show now called Why Women Kill and a bunch of other stuff. Good for him. Uh, you know what? I guess at the end of the day, he made a ton of money on... Uh, on Desperate Housewives, so he doesn't need to do anything. All right, so that's my Desperate Housewives thing. Mark Cherry brought me in for an audition, and we saw a woman's boobs, but you don't see the boobs on the show. All right, I just had to mention her boobs one more time. Coming up, we have a very special guest, Dominic Lombardozzi here from the Garden. Good evening, everybody. Dominic Lombardozzi is on our show. I was He's been in a ton of stuff, including The Wire and Entourage. He played the cousin. Everybody, that real jerk-off on, on Entourage, the cousin there, that was Dominic Lombardozzi. He also co-starred with me in The Family alongside De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer getting involved here, although... I'm sure if I was in a basketball game with De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Tommy Lee Jones, and Dominic Lombardozzi, I would finish with like three points, four fouls, eight rebounds, <laughs> 16 minutes coming in for Lombardozzi, Jimmy Palumbo. Um, you know, I come in right before that timeout. Anyway, uh, we're going to have Dominic Lombardozzi coming up right after the break. You know, as I get older, I tend to appreciate different things. One thing I love now more than I ever have in the past is some unique furniture. Not just any furniture, unique custom furniture made by Battle Rattle Woodworks. He's specialing in charcuterie boards for all those parties you're about to host when this weather gets a little nicer. Even better, if you enter the code CHOP15 at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your entire purchase. Massive savings on some unique American-made stuff. Help support your local veteran right now and visit them on social media at Battle Rattle Woodworks. All right, I have a very special guest coming on the Jimmy Palumbo Show. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's a great guy. I actually met him on a movie I did called The Family, and this guy works all the time. He's on every show uh, all over the place. He's... he's uh, he was in the, the Wire. He was in the Bronx Tale. He's most famous for the Wire, but he's famous for doing a bunch of other things. And we're going to discuss all that, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to the Jimmy Palumbo Show, Dominic Lombardozzi. How we doing, bud? What's up, buddy? Hey, how, how you doing, you, man? I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm good. Yeah, that's Hang cool, there, man. Um, first thing I got to ask is, first of all, um, I want to get into the whole. Uh, as you know, me and Dominic were on the, uh, the the movie The Family together, and. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I talked about the family on another podcast, but I knew I had to save some of the stories for Dom because 
The first day we got there, and Don, remember, we were in the courtyard, and one by one, we met all these stars, De Niro. Yeah. Tell us what was that, because I told everybody what it was like for me, but what was it like for you that day? Uh, well, I think I, I think I got there before you. Yeah. Or I think maybe when I got there, you weren't there. You, I can't remember if you right. got, you got there, there a few minutes me. before. You I definitely did. weren't there. Right. Yeah, I, I could tell you that. Right. Nobody was there except one person. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the bakery in the, uh, so I, the dining thinking, hall. So I just got off of uh, a plane, uh, a long car ride. And then I said, you know what? Let me go now. Let me just draw a picture here. So we're basically on this compound in Normandy, Luc Besson's compound. Right. Everything's there. Cafe where everybody eats dinner. Uh, there's a movie theater there. It's, it's 100 acres with a bunch of bungalows. So nobody's around. Um, have no idea where everybody is. So I said, you know what? Let me go in here. Maybe, I, you know, I could grab something to eat, drink, look at my script. So I sit down the first table as you walk in the door on the right hand side, because I'm a lazy bastard. I didn't feel like going all the way down. <laughs> so now, Jimmy, how many tables were in there? 13, maybe Nah, even less. I think maybe eight. Okay, whatever. Eight whatever. Yeah, it wasn't Not big. a big place. No, a glor- it's like a glorified Rayo's. Right. So I sit, I, I, I sit down and I get a drink. And I'm looking at my script. Now, Tommy Lee Jones walks in, could have sat anywhere, sits at my table <laughs> on the opposite side of the table. Which was a table for two, a right? Table of four. A table table of, four. of four. That's funny. Okay. Sits down. No hello. How are you? I'm Tommy Lee Jones. Who are you? Nothing. 20. 25 minutes has to go by. Silence. <laughs> Silence. You must have been dying inside. Silence. <laughs> so I was catching a look every now and then from the corner of my eye, you know? And I know you. You yeah. could be silent, too. You probably were fighting them in that one. Nobody was saying a word. Yeah, just, just I, I, I wasn't going to cave in. I'm like, you, you're the one that sat down. You're the one that's supposed to say hello and introduce <laughs> yourself. Then the waiter comes. And he orders uh, a Chablis. And <laughs> white wine, I remember that. White wine all, all the time. That's, a, that, that's what he drank, Chablis. Then he finally goes, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Would you like one? <laughs> and, and, and then the rest is history. <laughs> then, then every time me and Jimmy, then obviously Jimmy comes, I meet Jimmy. We, we hit it off like two pieces like of two brothers who haven't seen each other in years. <laughs> and the, the, and then every night for however long we were there, six weeks, we, we had dinner with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones and De Niro was one table over. He could have went to any table. I know he sat right down next to any table. Uh, he was such any a table. He had such an ornery personality. Not that he was being mean, but he had a way of like, you didn't know, you didn't know where you stood with him. You know what I mean? Well, what I admire about him is that he's very direct. Right. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells you like it is, and I respect that, especially in a business where you don't get that all the time. Everybody, BS. You know where you've been with him. Well, the one night we we went out, there was one night. uh, Me and Dom were working with, uh, and Dom's gonna have a laugh over this. We were doing a scene with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, and we noticed that Michelle Pfeiffer hadn't really come down to that area that much. So the both of us and Dom especially was like, "Why don't you come down and eat with us?" She's like, "You know, I'm a vegetarian now, and." I really don't, I have a guy cooking for me, but I guess that should come down. So she comes down and me and Dom are already like, always we ordered a bottle of red, bottle of white. Then we had all those cold cuts, the prosciutto, gavagool, provolone. Before we yeah. even did anything, we ordered that. And then we started yeah, having was, a, it was a Friday night, so we didn't have to work the next day. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So after numerous bottles of wine, I'll leave it at that, Michelle Viver's having a blast when she leaves. Tommy Lee Jones announces that he wants to go to a farmer's market at like 8 a.m. in the oh, morning. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about something else. No, so, well, you could talk about something else. But then, remember, so we had to drive a rent-a-car on the other side of the road, and you drove, and we had to follow Tommy Lee Jones' driver in like an hour away from this middle of nowhere in France. I mean, in the middle of the boondocks of France, uh, you know, north of Paris. And you were driving on the other side of the road. Or driving, yeah. <laughs> it was a nightmare on uh, tell okay. us about what you remember that. Well, there were, I, there's a couple of things. One was we we were talking with Michelle Pfeiffer, and uh, we were shocked when she told us she never saw Goodfellas. Uh, oh, I forgot about this. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about, about this. Oh my god. We said. Well, we told her. We said we kind of find it like a comedy now, <laughs> oh but god. you really need to see this film. You really need to f- see this film. So she arranged uh, with Luke and Luke's people at the compound, whatever, um, for a screening of Goodfellas. So me, Jimmy, and Michelle Pfeiffer watch Goodfellas. In, a, in, a, in like a 100-seat theater in the and middle of, just the middle us of three. Friend, us three. Oh, yeah. and, and she sat in front of us. And remember, <laughs> I said, yeah. Tom, Tom, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. You know, because we start seeing well, it. We you were laughing have, at all, like, the killing parts. Yeah, the all line. the killing, the lines. And she was, um, <laughs> I don't know if she got it. but <laughs> um, she did. She watched yeah. it. Remember what she said afterwards, after the movie? She's like, I thought it was pretty good, but I, I got more of a kick out of listening to you and Dom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we had to have another bottle of wine to laugh over and that. The, another adventure, the Jimmy and Dom adventure, was this. We decide, let's go to uh, the, oh, the uh, Nor- uh, Normandy, Normandy uh, Beach. Normandy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we decide to go. On a rainy fucking day, and Jimmy has gout. I got the gout. I had a gout attack. You had the gout. I couldn't move. So I'm I'm walking around. He's walking around like a fucking snail, <laughs> getting all wet. It's just it just it, re- it literally seemed like we were the only people there. We were the only people. I think we were the only people there. Oh man, and, um, I'm limping around like a ninety year old man. <laughs> You're laughing at me. Too much wine, Jimmy. Had too much wine. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a whole prelude to that. I mean, uh, we would drink. I mean, look, I can't. I can't even tell you how much wine we we consumed. We just it's just uh, you it know was ten, it was ten dollars a bottle. And remember, even Tommy Lee Jones said this is like great wine. This is like hundred dollar bottle of wine. He's given us to us for ten dollars. So we drank yeah. good wine. 
But I couldn't after a while, after five days of drinking wine. Remember, I was dying for a cold five beer, days. and the yeah. guy was like, "We got a, we're on tap here, low and brown the whole time." I didn't even see it, so I yeah. drank beer for a couple of nights to make a difference. It was it was it was a great experience. And then we went to France. Then then uh, we had to go shoot a few scenes in in Paris. We were in Paris, and then one of the best meals I actually had in Paris was um, at that Italian restaurant we went to. Again, it was raining. <laughs> Every time me and Dom went out, pouring rain. Raining. And then it just got really bad. So it's like, Jimmy, let, let's just go in here, man. And it was a hole in the wall restaurant. Right. We walked in. Real we private. Freaking amazing meal. Amazing meal. Remember what amazing the guy meal. The guy told us that people come here to do deals. It's really private and quiet yeah. and stuff like that. I remember you you gave me great advice on because I'd never been on a movie like that. And we got like a per diem of $100 a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you said to me, you're like, hey, Jimmy, there's two ways to do this. You could either, we can go eat not expensively, or we can say, hey, I got $100, you get $100, that's $200 towards the bill, and let's eat nice and eat like kings and have like mentally $200 off the bill. How do you want to do yeah. this? And I was like, ah, let's go to the nice places. We, but we ended up, that place wasn't cheap, but we went there like three times. I, it was I cheap, it. but it was a great meal. It was a great meal, and it was a lot different than we, you know. You also have to understand we were we were on the compound, and we were seeing the same people. We were basically uh, like kind of on a summer camp menu, and uh, it was a real treat. It was well, a real treat to be in Paris. That's one thing. Maybe you could tell our listeners about the family. The difference. I mean, you've been on way more sets than I have, but the difference mm-hmm. of doing that movie that way was very different than I think even De Niro or Pfeiffer had ever, ever experienced it. You're never on a compound like that. I mean, have you ever done anything like that since? No. No. I mean, the entire cast was in one, like... No, I would think the closest resort. thing to something like that is if, so, if, if there's a production shooting on an island or something right. and you're at the resort. Right. right. I think it's, it's very similar to that. Um, we couldn't even get out of the compound. We had no car. Like it wasn't like we but there just, was no place to go. There was no place to go. We didn't know. It's all farmland. Um, the I think the you know, um, just some of those sites. Uh, 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 Michelle, that place, uh, the, the the city that's like on the water or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, San Michelle. A lot of history there and stuff like that. I mean that that those, those kind of things. Um, but well, let me. Um, let me, I want to actually, we talked about the family, which I wanted to get to, but I want to talk a little bit about you, my friend. Now, kind of walk me through, I know your first big gig out of the gate was, um, uh, you played Nikki Zero in Bronx Tale in 1993. Um, is that Small how you part, got, though. is that how you got your start? Is that where you, how long were you in the yeah. business? Like, tell us, I how'd you get in the business? You weren't I, even I was, in the business. No, I went for an open call for, wow. uh, wow. uh, for a Bronx tale and it just kind of went through the, the progression and, you know, when read for this pictures and this and that, and narrowed it down, I wind up getting the part. Oh, that's awesome. And, and uh, I worked one day. I know, but it was a memorable I scene. With scene. The guns I one scene. I worked one day. I was eligible for, for uh SAG. Dude, that's a major home run in your first step. Believe me. It's all, huge all the bumps down the line I had in community theater. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I find myself on set and people, 
uh, some, you know, I talk to the extras and stuff like that. And people are like, Oh, how do I get my SAG card? And it's very hard for me to give them any kind of advice because it just kind of happened for me. Right. Well, you, you were good off uh, the that bat. way. Um, <laughs> so. What did you do? Um, so after that, you do that. Um, uh, obviously we're going to get to the wire in a second, but there, there was obviously a gap between the Bronx tale and wire. Did you start getting better headshots? No, taking I, acting? I started doing independent films. Independent films. Okay. I started doing independent films. I did an independent film uh, called Kiss Me Guido. I remember that, that. movie remember that. by uh, written and directed by Tony Vitale. And yeah, yeah. wind up getting distributed by Paramount. That's how I got an agent. Uh, that's huge. And then um, when I got the agent, I think in 97 or something like that, 90, 96, something like that, 90, 90 95, 96, because um, the Bronx Tale was 92. I started doing a bunch of independent films. Right. You know? Um, so you, you, had, you had the confidence right away. You booked the family. So you obviously you felt good about yourself to jump right in. And um, yeah, it was just learning. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have any sort of education. Nobody really held my hand or anything like that. I didn't know what an audition, I didn't know how to really conduct yourself in an audition. Right. So, so I, I must've blew a few of them. Right. I'm sure you did, but I didn't a lot of them though. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. And, and then I did a move. I did kiss me Guido. And that's where I really fell in love with acting because I was there from the whole process, raising money, um, not even knowing if I was going to be able to have the part that I was reading for. Right. And I wind up being in the movie. We raised the money. We shot the movie. And it was very gorilla, right. you know? And I just loved it. Did you get a back end deal It was like the golden age of like, of, of independent films. Right. Like yeah. real independent Sundance films, right. you know. And it wasn't now shot in, in, on an in the movie, twenty five million. Right, right. Back then, eight hundred thousand. What what year was you Kiss know? Me Guido? I can't remember. I think I, I, I'm going to take a guess and say ninety six, ninety seven. Right. Okay. Well, when it came yeah. out. That's but um, and then just a bunch of independents. Uh, and like some New York shows, you know, the Lone Order, and then the Wire audition. So tell us about the Wire. Obviously, you played uh, the Herc on the Wire, which Herc I call him the Herc because he's the Dominic. Yeah. Uh, no, but the thing that blows me away about the the Wire, I was late to the dance. I didn't watch it till much mm -hmm. later. Um, but I tell people, especially during the pandemic, people always ask, "Oh, what should I watch?" I was like, "Well, you know what." Um, if you if you took a hundred TV critics and looked at their top ten TV shows, The Wire is usually almost every time in the top five, and many of them it's number one. And there's been a lot of really good TV shows that have come out since The Wire, and The Wire still holds its own right in there. So tell us about how you auditioned, what the whole process there. I auditioned for now um, Robert F. Colesbury who had, I had just worked with on 61. Right. And he was one of the producers, one of the executive producers on The Wire. Not much of a relationship there, but there's one familiar name that I knew on, 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 on the appointment shit, on the appointment slip. 
and and Alexa Fogel, of course, everybody knows Alexa Fogel, um, great casting, casting uh, director in New York. And um, I know her from Oz and all the Tom Fontana shows. And so I auditioned for her and I wind up getting the part. Wow. And we shot the pilot. Did you and know then, you were on, the show was on to something or was it hard to tell when you shoot a pilot? I knew we were shooting something different. Um, I, I, I didn't know we were going to be able to get away with what we were doing. But then, you know, you're coming off the heels of, you know, Sopranos was on, right. Oz was on, Six Feet Under was on. So television was changing. Yep, yep, certainly You was. know, and uh, so... Um, but I mean, the wire was very, very, very socially conscious yeah. and, um, it still works now. It, it plays now even more, even in many ways more. I so. think it plays now more so right. certain, certain episodes really play now. And it's, it's definitely a show you could look at and learn from. Right. And, and, um, I think David was just a genius with it, you know, and it was coming off of the corner, which is another great show. And I recommend everybody watch that. Um, I never saw that. Which is kind of like the prequel. Right, okay. To, it was a limited series, and uh, David was also affiliated with that. And um, and then we shot the show. You know, we were under the radar for a really, really long time. That's why there were were never any nominations. Uh, David never got nominated, if anything. Never got nominated. But that's in a um, time where you know it's still you know ABC, CBS, NBC. The the, the real love wasn't. Uh, Sopranos got some love, but no, but some Sopranos of the, came out of the gate. You yeah, know, not, Sex not, and the City came out of the gate. But now th- there was always like the stepchild. Really, I always felt. Um, and but, yeah, yeah the show exactly is the show are. is really in many ways better than. Well, I don't want to yeah. you know bash the Sopranos. I love it, that show as well. But I Wait, did notice. Sure. Did you ever notice that? Um, I I was giggling looking at your IMDb page. And um, I was laughing at, we were in the family together, okay, that, and so we knew that. We were in the same episode of Sneaky Pete, which we didn't realize right. we were in because we didn't work in the same scenes. We were right. also in the, the movie King of Staten Island, which just came out. Right. Of course, they cut my scene out of it. They couldn't cut you out of it because you were in half the movie, but I had my two mm-hmm. scenes cut out. But So we did that together. But we also did sim- the same show's Entourage, but we weren't in, the, you know, uh, different episodes. Power, The Deuce, um, uh, The Good Wife, uh, uh, what else? Uh, Blue Bloods, Law and Order. So it was like, yeah. you, I go by this. Whenever Dominic books, I'll book the show like a year later. That's how it goes. So <laughs> you got to. And, and, and I, there's three, four other people that I could say the same thing about. It's <laughs> just, you know, we're, we're. It's so great. You know, New York That's, actors and. Let's, and uh, let's talk about The Irishman, which. Um, yeah, I, I, it's incredible. You can't even uh, people that don't know the uh, Dominic was in the Irishman and uh, he played a, a capo, and he had to go. Was it six hours a day of makeup, or, or how long did it take? Yeah, anywhere from four and a half to to five. Oh my! God. And you can't yeah. even. You're, you're almost unrecognizable in it. Like it's unbelievable. How? Yeah. What was that like? It's a great experience. It was just. Um, you know, I, I got to be honest. I really didn't mind the makeup and any of that. It actually helped me a lot. Um, kind of character. in a weird way gave me a, um, it was kind of like a force field in, in, right. in, in, in a weird way because I was working with 
people who I just admire so much. You know, I knew De Niro. I worked with De Niro numerous times and he gave me my break. So we, we knew each other, but Marty and Joe and Joe to me is, I just love Joe Pesci. I, I think he's freaking brilliant. You know, I put him up there with everybody. He's great. And uh, so it worked for me. And it, it was, it was a pleasure. It oh, was, uh, you, when you booked, yeah, that, was really I had a really good you. time. I had a really good time on that, on that. Uh, so um, let, uh, let's talk about the King of Staten Island. Um, mm-hmm. which came out last year. Uh, what was that experience like? Um, very therapeutic actually, because um, I had lost my dad uh, maybe a month before that. So I just needed to dive into something. Oh, yeah, that must have been tough. And uh, and I was surrounded by some of the funniest people in the business, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, Pete and, and, and Bill and Mike and, and God, Henry, I, I, I don't even want to start naming everyone. Just uh, John Sorrentino, just all these people every day around them. I, I got to tell like, you, you made me feel, I Dominic, they had worked a couple of days already into the production, or maybe even longer, I don't know. And I showed up in Yonkers over there, wherever we were, I think it was Yonkers. And I walked into the set. And I said, I'm Jimmy Palumbo. And you went, everybody went, oh, this is the guy, Dominic Lombardozzi's talking about. Like, I'm getting hugs from people. I don't even know. Like, this guy, this guy. You were so welcoming onto the set because I was nervous. I too. told people some, you were coming. You know, there was, I was like some heavy hitters yeah. on that set. And I'm like, yeah, 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 and you yeah. made me feel like a million bucks. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And uh, well, you're my friend. What am I supposed just, to do? It was just, no, it was sweet. It was like, you know. Um, and I just was like blown away by that. But yeah, that was, uh, I got to meet. Uh, and John. you know what, Jimmy, you know what? And you'll do that for somebody else. Oh, sure. I've, I've, I've done it, but you, you, sure you, you did it. Already. You did it really well. <laughs> the guys were even like Judd Apatow was like, Hey, Palumbo. Uh, this is, uh, I heard a lot about you. Um, yeah. and get to meet Pete Davidson stuff was really cool. But my, Bill Burr. Oh, great was Pete. And, uh, Pete. He was great. I, I, I really love watching Pete. Uh, uh, work in this and, and, and Bill, you know, because they, they looked at as comedians and sketch, you know, and I thought Bill Burr was so great. Comedians to some of the best actors, man. Yep. He, um, he, Bill was just, uh, I got a chance Well, you were, I think you were outside shooting one of the fire scenes and I got a chance to sit in this green room with Bill Burr for like three hours. And I finally said, like, Bill, you know, your, your podcast, I'm a huge fan of it. And we were just were chatting. He knew I knew Artie Lang and we were, you know, and he was so open and friendly talking about comedy. He actually, believe it or not, inspired me to do this podcast only in the way I said, like, Bill, how do you do it? How do you set it up? And he looked at me, he goes, just I, just, do it. I just turned the microphone on and I start talking. And I realized yeah. that's exactly what I got to do. That's, which is that's all, and now, if you talk, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to call him a friend of mine. And um, and I don't mean that in a mobster kind of way, but um, he's a dear friend. Dear, he's friend. a friend of ours. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I had him on my podcast, and, and he's one of the relationships that continued from from the movie. Nice. And um, and anytime you talk to Bill, it's 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 like this. Just do it. Yeah, just, I know. Yeah, I, I think I, just. That's- just Fuck it. Just, just do it. Just, such great you know, advice. Write, write something, write something. Yep. And, um, so it's, it's, 
it's that simple. It, it's not simple, but for him, it's, you just have to do it. Stop thinking about it. Just go and do it. And, um, he was just a what, really? He's just a great guy, and so so uh, very very family oriented. Yeah, he, was, um, uh, he just had another kid. I love how he is with his family, his kids. Yeah, and um, couldn't wait to go home. A great guy, working. a great guy all around. Uh, so Dom, I know you started this podcast thing. It's called Dom's Den. Uh, tell me about that. Your guests have been incredible. So uh, let me know what's going on with that. Yeah, I started Dom's Den during uh, COVID. Um, have some really um, interesting guests. Um, there are a few more that are going to start airing. Um, comes out every Wednesday. Okay. Um, you could catch it on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. There are some other platforms. Uh, you, but you could go to Action Park Media um, and uh, get all the information. That's cool. Dom's Den on all places where you get podcasts. So your my show drops on Monday and yours drops on Wednesday. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> another, another, you know, one thing we forgot to talk about the family, which I find so funny. Now, the first day we get there, Luke, Luke told, tells us, listen, as long as you show up on time and be ready to go, don't go be going no, back. No, what he said was, that's not what he said. That's and not the I, first thing he said. I, that's why. Well, that's what he that's said to not me. The first right, thing you tell said. me what he. First I'm going to tell you what he said. Right. He says. He goes. Ah. Oh. He goes. Ah. Oh, you're the smart one. Remember, he said that to me. Uh, I don't know, but I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, you better hear that. Uh, because, okay. Oh, Dom, because, by the way, Dominic's uh, giving me a look on Zoom as if to say, "Yeah, you say I'm not smart. You, you say you're ninety percent no. sure." No, you could think what you got on that movie. To me. Oh, the cell phones. The, the cell phones. <laughs> and the money? And the money cell we phones got? and everything else. <laughs> That's true. I will admit, it was my first time dealing Those with... Those were his first words when we went to go meet him on, on the set. Well, because Dominic was able to get us better per diems, a free cell phone, uh, 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 more just, money. just wanted what was fair. Yeah, because we we're in That's France. It. How are we going to talk to our family with the cell phones? They don't work, you know. So yes, I, I how dare I not? I did remember that. Um, no, but, no, he didn't say that. Uh, the, the, this, uh, this one, uh, and your tr no, no. What he said was, and your trouble. That's what he said. <laughs> your trouble. That's now, what he for said. Me, but then, but then he was very nice he to loved us. us. But he that's loved because us. me and you, the first day, we were both a little nervous. First day of shooting, and they had this we're coffee. The we were the only ones laughing. We were the only the one there, everybody right? Was quiet. Yeah, everybody was quiet, being like French classy. And there's this, these two, <laughs> these two guys, Dominic and Jimmy, acted like we're 13 years old in, 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 a, in a five and dime store. But they had oh. this coffee machine, and if anybody knows Dominic. Every 20, 25 minutes or so, he's like, you want to get, get a coffee? Like, you got coffee flows all day long. And I'm the same way. But they had this coffee machine. And we had to, we had to like jerk around. We didn't know what we were doing. It said Amer Americana Cafe. Anyway, we start drinking this coffee, but it really was like an espresso. And it was it like. It was espresso. But it was like it was triple. Like, um, yeah, we, kind of. But we were using like the. Like a macchiato. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're drinking these things like like we're at Dunkin' Donuts. And so <laughs> three hours in, I look at Dom and say, hey, Dom, you're right. I'm, I'm wired, man. He's like, yeah, me too. We must have had, it would be like having 30 cups of Starbucks coffee in two hours. We were like, oh, my God, it was so funny. 
We were but so I, you know what I love, Jimmy. Remember, so we would get to the point every night. Listen, when there's nowhere to go and there's only ten steps to your bed, you know, you you you, you put them away. Yeah. So yeah. so Jimmy, I'd love and you have to do it for me right now. Okay. The pressure's on now. Yeah, the pressure. Yeah, but you this is this is nothing for you. You mean the Bob Shepard or the Mar? Hey, Dominic Lombardosi getting involved here with about. Well, here here's the best. In 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 uh in out in but France, nobody got it. Oh, I was it doing rep- I was doing like your attention, please. Now having his fourth bottle of wine, Dominic Lombardosi, fourth yeah. bottle, because we we were, we went out one Friday night hanging out and um. In, in France, they have Teamsters, but they're not Teamsters. They, they sit with the trucks. So one night, we had a marathon night. It was, we didn't have to work the next day. We didn't have to drive. So it was just us and Pfeiffer and Tommy Lee Jones and De Niro. So me and Dominic were drinking a lot of wine, probably the most we drank the whole time. So next thing you know, the guy wanted to close the restaurant thing. He goes, guys, just take it outside. So we're outside. One night was four bottles. <laughs> so, so with that, these Teamsters come down with a cooler with beer. And the one teamster, and I'm blowing the accent, but he's like, oh, it's a, what is this? You guys, a, you drink only wine, you don't drink beer, like trying to be a tough guy. And Dominic, at this point, we both had red teeth. We were drinking red wine. Dominic, he didn't realize that Dominic was holding the bottle, not a bottle of beer. <laughs> you held it up to the guy and said, I'm on my fifth bottle of wine. You got a problem with that? And the guy went, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. Well, you, 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 know, you know, what I didn't like was, he tried to come there and kind of like downplay us. Right. Yep. Yep. And he's kind of like late to the game. Right. Late. <laughs> we already been there drinking for four hours, you know? Oh, and, man. Uh, so funny. Yeah. And I remember Harvey Keitel showed up in the middle of dinner one time. He came. He yeah. Flew because in. He, he was on his way getting an award someplace. Right? right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. And then Gerard yeah, Depardieu's yeah. daughter was, she was there. There was just all this, uh, craziness you great know? people great yeah. people it was a lot of fun and we uh i we're still friendly with most of the cast uh, we yeah. still get texts every now and then from everybody so what do you got going on now what's uh what's happening i did uh an episode of mrs Maisel and and two episodes of billions nice. and there you go and um just waiting you know it's uh this time i did Maisel before moving, you did. but not moving that fast so right. You know, everybody knows you were on Ray. I thought you did great work on Ray Donovan. Um, I thought, I don't want to say it's your best work. That's stupid. But I really thought you, because you were like a a tough guy, but you had a big heart in there. But the scene, I don't know if any any Ray Donovan fan, there's a scene where you guys get in a fight with the firemen. Oh, yeah. And they're kicking the shit out of you, and you guys are all bloody. But there's a scene where your face is all bloody, and you look up at Ray Donovan, and you smile. Yeah. And I said to myself, that's Dominic right there. Like, we just got our ass kicked, but hey, that was fun. And I said to myself, I couldn't tell if you were acting or you were, it was like after they said cut and you were still laughing at. I, I couldn't tell, like. I don't remember. It was such a really, if you ever watch that scene. I think they just happened to capture it. Yeah, um, it was perfect. It was such a good acting moment. I loved uh, it. But I, mean, I think the, it was also in the script. That you do smile at him? Oh, it was perfect. Looks, looks at Ray or something like that. And you had and, all uh, blood in your teeth and everything. It was so yeah. great. It was so great. The thing, the thing with that character, the thing with uh, with that character was, uh, 
emotionally he was the weakest guy in the room. Right, right. That's what it was. Yep, yep. It was very, uh, it just was a perfect role for very you. Very emotional. Probably one of my hardest. Uh, uh, yeah, you had, to, you had to put your boots on. Personally, yeah. yeah. So, because um, it was very consistent, a lot of, lot, a lot of pivoting, a lot of uh, uh, constant changes with emotions, and and uh, just heavy, heavy, just heavy, heavy material, man. Yeah, you were you great. Know? You were great in that. Thank also, you. also, of course, on Entourage, you were the. I didn't know you then, but you were the biggest asshole ever in the history of television. Right. That I met him, I think for a second when I first met him, I'm like, "Well, is he gonna be like the guy on Entourage?" Yeah. <laughs> but you couldn't have been more different than that. That's another thing of your acting. You were complete opposite of that guy. Complete opposite. I know a lot of you know. I tell people, uh, oh, I, "I thought you were this. I thought you were that." I'm like, you know, it's just it's uh, what's on the page. You know, it was this, it was the same thing with. Uh, with the wire, you know, like that, that, that character was just such, he was such a bully. Right. You know? And, uh, that's the beauty about acting for me. Right. Um, I, I get to step away. Yeah. People, well, I don't know. Some people have a hard time, uh, seeing the difference, but, um, I guess one day when they meet me, they'll, they'll see it, I guess, you know, no, nah, you're, you're, Tremendous actor with a tre uh, tremendous amount of range, um, for sure, in your roles. But listen, man, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you got to run to your next thing because you're always busy. But it was a pleasure as always. I know uh, in the summertime we're going to get together. Um, you only, Dom only lives about a half hour away from me, so we're going to go. And yeah. I'm going to hang out at his pool, bring my daughter over there and have a... Have Absolutely. A and, I would love uh, it. You got it, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. You say you're 90% sure? You say you're 90% sure? I'm going to get you the other 10%. That's Dominic Lombardozzi, everyone. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. This is Sturge from Chop Sports, and I want to talk to you about a new hobby of mine, and that's real estate. Ever since we brought on our resident realtor here at Chop Sports, that's all I can think about. So we got another one. You know who's really good at this stuff? Jay Devlin of CRG Homes. Jay is out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and business is booming. Whether you're looking to relocate, buy, rent, or literally purchase property and watch your stacks get higher, Jay is the guy to do this for you. He's already in the process of helping me out right now on a possible summer home. Call Jay right now, 843-315-5913, and have yourself a chat and learn about all the perks and tell him Chop Sports sent you. All right, Dominic Lombardozzi on the Jimmy Palumbo show number six. That was awesome. I'm so glad he decided to, to uh, come on my show. Uh, maybe he'll invite me on his show. I don't know. Sometimes you don't get the return favor. But, um, yes, I, I tell you, he's a real Dominic. You know, we're friends now. and But we met in a business scenario. Um, he's just a salt of the earth, man. He's a good guy. Um, he's no nonsense. He's not a... Matter of fact, most of the time when I do talk to him, we don't even talk about showbiz and stuff. How you doing? Blah blah blah. How's your, how's your family doing? That kind of thing. Um, he's just a good guy and a straight shooter and a, really, a, I think a much better actor than uh, people give him credit for. He's got a tremendous range. I, I think um, he could really play a jerk off and he can really play a sensitive guy. So, and I love him in Ray Donovan. Um, I just think he's great in that. 
But um, so I really want to give a shout out to Dominic Lombardozzi. Big star, big star on the show. All right. Where have you come from? Where have you gone? 